I'm in a bad mood. Now, what happened? James James had a show <laughs> last week, yeah. which I was at, and after the show, we are all hanging out, having a drink. Yes, we were. And you were at the table next to me, and you overheard me say something. I, I didn't, first of all. I well, you turned mouth. around and gave me a look. Yeah, I think I was doing a bit, but I don't know what you said, and if you want to share what you said, please It don't. was a look that your father gives people as well. Yeah, exactly. But what did you say? I don't know what you said. We were talking about the, the bits that went well and the bits that didn't go so well every bit went well every bit did go well but like you know what it was there was there was like one bit for example the susan yep. the subu dances yeah too long which didn't that's fine it didn't kill the way that like i mean when we talked about it, it we wanted the fact it to kill. that you would say this in front of the man responsible for the subu <laughs> remix is frankly no no no. it wasn't the, it was just anyways and i said the great thing about james is even when it didn't go great yeah he was able to make a joke about it not going great and it got a laugh is that you rescued it. Yeah. Right? Like, it, it was like, even the bits that were like, didn't punch the way Sam that you wanted to punch. cancel everything. We're just doing Subu material from now on. Yeah. Susan Boyle dances alone. Anyways, I was paying you a compliment, but all I think you heard at the time I was, hear, I didn't hear it. even the bits that didn't go great. And then you turned around and gave me this look like. I'm very relaxed about my comedy. I That has not been my experience. No, it's true. I get very uptight before and during. But afterwards, I just don't care. That's, I think, one of the worst things about me for my <laughs> long-term success is that once it's out, I don't care. People will say, I'll do that bit that you put on the internet. And I'll go, I don't know the words. <laughs> it would be very challenging for me to... People go, do it for me once. And you go, I, I think I remember the first three. Anyways, it was a great show, James. I think you did Thank very you. well. I love live it was a performance. Triumph. What a joy yeah. it is to be with friends, to perform... Sam Clark was so good. Paulie was so good. Everybody was great. Margo, your girlfriend, was exceptional. Exceptional. She was great. Brandon Manorino, so great. Loved him. Shout out, Brandon Manorino. Paul the Black. Paul the Black was awesome. Perfectly amenable to his performance. Now... Do we have a little compendium of the Catechism of the Catholic Church to speak about today? Man, we have not prepared at all, which is not unusual. So I just needed to say that I have under under the catechast, there's a little present given to us what? from my auntie. So No way. What? This is so exciting. You know what we're up to, by the way? I'm like, hey, up to. I want to unwrap this present for the catechast. So you told your auntie about the catechast? No, she... Oh, great, great, great. Yeah, even better. All right, this is a very finely wrapped present. Is the present the cloth? <gasps> it is. Oh, man. Oh, I thought it was inside. Special. Wow, is that an Indian one? I think so. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I don't know if you can see it. Oh, there you go. Oh, it's even better. That is great. That is great. Where are we putting it up? There you go. Are we putting it up? Uh, some, somewhere in here. Somewhere in here. That'll be up next podcast. That is so cool. Very cool. Thanks, Auntie Susie. Auntie Sue. Auntie Sue. <laughs> it's the last Papa Dam. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> that was good. The last roti. Bro. Oh, that's very exciting. Bro. 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 How could you betray me, bro? <laughs> like, bro, honestly, man. All right. So we were up to page 62. Um, the church is one holy Catholic and apostolic. Why is the church one? The church is one because she has as her source and exemplar the unity of the Trinity of persons in one God. As her founder and head, Jesus Christ reestablished the unity of all people in one body. As her soul, the Holy Spirit unites all the faithful in communion with Christ. The church has but one faith, one sacramental life, one apostolic succession, one common hope, and one and the same charity. I mean, your Church of England people would say they're the church also in England. I knew they we, have just I, as much I knew you were going to be difficult um, to You would know. You would know. <laughs> you would know that all these other prot churches, we are church. They go like, yeah, we're all the church. We're all church. But as a Catholic, at least as a sort of conventional Catholic, we would say a lot of people who say they're Christians are not church. We would say that certain people who even insist to be in communion with the Pope are not. So what's going on? Right. So there are two... Levels on which this hits, I think. The, the top level is, like, real, the reality of it, mm. which is what the, what the, the theological reality what, which we're speaking to, which is that, okay, so the, what, the claim that we're making here is that the church is one, it has a unity which is sort of indivisible, and that unity is based on the fact that it's been founded by God, it's yeah. willed by God, we have one tradition, one apostolic succession, all these sorts of things. What I think you're asking is, like, how does this apply in the particular circumstances of different sects. Well, we're talking about the Catholic Church here. Yeah, we are. As the church, yes. right? But there's also, just to make, um, for an easy example, the Russian Orthodox Church. Right. Who also have apostolic succession. Yes. Who are one on many of those things. Yep. And yet we would say they are a different church. Yes. They would say, potentially even. Yeah, I think they would. Church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, and they would, but they would also consider themselves to be the one church. The one church. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yes, and that is a problem, right? Like, and there's no getting around the fact that, like, essentially we all agree on the same things, but we just sort of have different in and out groups. Um, and with the Orthodox. Yes. Yeah. And so we'll get. We'll, I think we will address this in in a short period, but I'm happy to address it now. Yep. In anticipation of that, is that the the Catholic Church considers things like the Orthodox Church or the Ethiopian Church, the Coptic Church, to be churches in a proper sense, in the sense that they have the sacraments, they have apostolic tradition, they have apostolic succession, all these sorts of things. But but they have removed themselves from unity by, for, for whatever reason, normally it's something like rejecting a fundamental doctrine of the faith, rejecting the authority of the, of the Pope, something like that, right? So they have removed themselves from that unity, even though, but we still say they all have true aspects of that unity. Um, In whereas a way that we would not say about the Protestants. Exactly. But conversely, what you're describing there with those respective Orthodox and Coptic... Hmm. Churches. Churches. Yeah, they're real churches. Uh, they feel the same way about us. They think we're wrong about stuff that's integral to the faith as well. Uh, yeah, I mean... No, it, the Orthodox kick off about the filioque. It depends on the Orthodox Church as well. And the Coptics get a little sniffy about the metastatic union. S- hypostatic union. and s- Whatever. Met- metastatic maybe. union. I think yeah. it's... 
The union of my cancer has my colon. Metastatic. But the it's the opposite. I'm just I think there's I don't think it's a stretch to say that they would say we were wrong about some things and that yeah. we were also the church and we had right. apostolic succession. Yes. What's your sort of feel good hands in the air pento <laughs> Protestant, on the other hand, might say, is that we're all church. Yeah. We're all Christians. It's all the church. Yeah. And those things that you've described are not really what the church is. The church is people who follow right, but, Jesus but Christ, when we're talking about Savior. When we're talking about oneness, right, the church is sort of saying there is a distinctive unity that can be seen, mm. which is a, a mark of the true church. And so th- that's a very easy... When I see German bishops saying whatever the heck it is they're saying at the moment, I think, gee, look at us all together. Right, well, I mean, yeah, because they they have schismatic or heretical opinions, yeah. right? Like, but, but And so they're defecting from that, that ob- observable which oneness. Which, in turn, that shadow points a finger squarely at what unity would look like. Because it's so repulsive to see them doing that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 And so and so the, the Catholic response would be, well, like, the Orthodox Church is, while maintaining this idea of being a church, like mm. a real church, um, have also defected in this way. Uh, whereas we would say for the Protestant churches, these are not... The Vatican II, the Second Vatican Council, describes these communities as ecclesial communities. We don't call we don't them even, church. We don't even say they're churches. Because, mm. because to be a church means to have something in particular, which is... The sacraments, apostolic succession, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. Yeah. So the oneness of the Catholic Church, which can be seen all around the world, is that there is a unity in faith, belief, practice, all these sorts of things. Um, that unity is fundamentally comes from God Himself and from like observing God's teachings. Sick. All right. Yeah. Jack, that was good. One hundred and sixty-two. Where does the One Church of Christ subsist? The One Church of Christ, as a society constituted and organised in the world, subsists in subsist in the Catholic Church, governed by the successor Peter and the bishops in communion with him. Only through this church can one obtain the fullness of the means of salvation, since the Lord has entrusted all the blessings of the new covenant to the Apostolic College alone, whose head is Peter. This is a very controversial uh, passage for um, sort of like traditionalists, I suppose. Okay. So the, the it, it sort of comes from the, the in the, I can't even remember what century it was, but at, at some point an earlier council had defined that there is no salvation outside of the Catholic Church. Yeah. Right? So this question is, where does the, the true church of God subsist? Not Subsist? Subsist, exactly. And so the Second Vatican like Council... you subsist on food. Well, the Second Vatican Council was making a particular point here. So the One Church of Christ, so Christ's established church, is a society constituted and organized in the world. So we can we can see it, we can find it, we can look at it. Um, it subsists in the Catholic Church. When we say subsisting, the, the traditionalists' response to that is to sort of go, oh, they're trying to play funny games with language by making it seem bigger than the Catholic Church, the, the, the visible bounds of the Catholic Church. Well, what are we saying? I mean, what, what, are we, what, what does subsist mean exactly. here? Exactly. So for, and another example of this like Latin terminology would be that the soul subsists in the body, right? And that's the sort of scholastic language that, where this comes from. Which right, is, but where you can then say, well, there are times when the soul is separated from the body. Exactly. There's still a soul and a body. Yeah. yeah. 
And while this is not ideal, yeah. this doesn't mean you're actually outside of the church. Because there are times when, and these are limited times, but there are exceptions, obviously, where we say there is no salvation out of the Catholic Church, outside of the Catholic Church. But having said that, there are times when the Catholic Church is present outside of her visible bounds. What does that look like? For yeah. example. i tell you what it looks like to me. Yeah. One of the longest bows I've ever heard anyone <laughs> trying to draw. For example, if you're a, um, a Muslim in yeah. Africa... You may not know that you're part of the Catholic Church. No, no, So you're... And you um, die a martyr for the Christian faith, okay. right? Like you, you, you hear about the gospel. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a simplistic version of the gospel, but you sort of go, oh, this Jesus guy seems really good. I, I believe he's the son of God. Yeah. Um, I reject sort of like in a broad way Satan Islam. Works. And Muslims come and say, well... Like, are you a Christian? And you say, yes, I am a Christian. And you're like, you haven't been baptized or anything like that. And they kill you for it. We say, well, you're a, that's a baptism of blood. You're a, you know, you have been baptized by your profession of faith. Like, and so we're saying, well, you're not, you're not outside of the, of the bounds of the Catholic church, right? You were saved by the means of the Catholic church because the Catholic church is the church that Christ has founded. And there can only be salvation through that. No, you, that doesn't mean like yeah. you accept all of the dogmas and doctrines like explicitly because you might not know them, right? But there are times when, and like if somebody is of goodwill and seeking to do the right thing and hasn't rejected Christ, that we would say, okay, this is possible that the Catholic Church exists outside of her visible boundaries. I think we're hitting the shit that Jack is really passionate about. It's taken 162 but I think this uh, this might be Jack on his best ever form. No, so like, and people do get upset about this, and trans do get upset about yeah, this. Yeah, because what is the where is the bounds for that? Exactly. Well, and it's not for us to judge, though, and that's the thing. It's like like the the temptation is to go, this is the church, and this is where it is, and if you're outside of this thing, then you're damned, right? But well, but that's also a reasonable temptation because then you go. Because of that, we have to go out and we have to save people. Yes, of course. Rather than having the opposite right. view, which is the church's invisible bounds must be extraordinary. Hey, let's all do our own but, thing. Don't but what we're saying it. is that God is not bound mm. by these things. God has willed these things and God has a plan for us, like for most people to be saved in this way, which is like, that's why he established the church. Right. He's trying to help us. But God is not bound by the structures of of the church he's not bound by the sacraments he can operate outside of them because he's god he can do whatever he wants yeah um so like and it would be wrong for us to say no god is bound by these things when th these are things so that, yeah. all these things that we're talking about as sacraments these are the normative means they're the ones that have been exactly. visible to us yes yeah which is not to say that because it's the easiest and best way to do it right like and but but even when it's like outside of those visible means it's always by means of those means, right? Like it's always by means of Christ's salvation. Okay. Yeah. So the the other thing here is like when people sort of go, oh, this seems like modernism. This seems like a sort of like modern liberal dilution of the faith. If you go back and look at catechisms prior to the Second Vatican Council, th this stuff is always in it, mm. right? Where it's like, oh, if, if you're a baptized Christian and you do not reject the Catholic Church and you die in a state of goodwill and all these sorts of things, then, then it's entirely possible, maybe, that you're saved. We leave that up to God. What if you reject the version of the Catholic Church that you believe is evil? Right. Well, so Fulton Sheen says this, right? Like, there, there aren't 100 people... There aren't 100 people in America that reject the Catholic Church. Yeah. There are lots more people who, who think they do. I they, do not they, believe in the God you don't believe in. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, but, I mean, and so, like, it's not for us to say who's saved and who's not, um, which we don't even do within the church. It is for the church to say sometimes who's saved. Yes, because of the... Well, having we, saints. Having saints, yeah, yeah. 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 But it's, it's not for us necessarily to condemn, right? Like, The church doesn't say that any person specifically is in hell. Mm. Even though Christ says it would be better if Judas Iscariot had never been born. Well, Judas Iscariot might be the exception to that. So uh, there is... I like to, have you seen Jesus Christ Superstar? Yeah, we've talked about this a number of Why times. Why would a man banned for hell have such good songs? <laughs> so, but there, there are... The church is a visible society and the church that God has created subsists in that visible society and that is the Catholic Church. Okay. The church that's in communion with the, with the Bishop of Rome... Um, Fundamentally, that's the, like you know he's the source and unity of our the source and foundation of our unity, um, but that there's a sort of wibbly wobbly timey wimey thing happening there where it's like, yeah, we're not going to condemn necessarily people always at all times outside of the visible bounds of that church, but we would say there is no salvation outside of the Catholic Church because the Catholic Church is ruled by God. It is the sacrament of salvation. If people do attain salvation outside of the visible bounds of that church, then it's by means of that church that mm. they attain that salvation. And that's tricky, right? But the other thing is, like, people think this is a new doctrine, and it's not. It's actually the ancient doctrine. How generous are we with that compared to other denominations? Um, oh, I mean, I think we would be on the more radical end of that, I think, still. Because we would still are, say... Are the, orthodox, are the Orthodox letting us in? No, definitely not. Right. Well, well, depends on the Orthodox Church, but generally, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Lutherans, obviously, again. Well, yes and no. Yeah, exactly, and and like the Church is considered to have the Catholic Church is considered to have a fairly Catholic mean, view, mean view of these sorts of things, but it's not mean. Is the other thing. I mean, and it doesn't, it doesn't, it, and it should not um, free us from the impulse to evangelize. Because because we do have the normative means, and it's no guarantee that just because you haven't like been instructed in, in the visible form of the Catholic Church yeah. that you will be saved, right? It's just saying that there may be exceptions to this. And so, for example, if you're in the first century in China, right? Like, and this is where it sort of comes in. Like, God enters history, but there are t- pl- parts of the world and human they race haven't heard yet. that haven't heard yet. Like, are these people just damned by missing out? And we're saying, no, they're not necessarily damned. But we have a responsibility to help them. Yes. And give them a good Show them what, what the norm, normative means for salvation are, which is... Welcome them into the body of Christ. What Christ is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the longer this... The other thing is, the longer this goes on, right, like in terms of history, I think it's very hard now to sort of say, oh... I didn't have a chance to hear about it. Somebody in the West hasn't had the chance to hear the gospel because they have. They've had a lot of chances. At a certain point, you have a you have a duty to educate yourself in the truth. Sure, I mean that people yeah. can hear enough bad things and have enough bad things done yep. to them that yep. they go, that's true, right? That, that seems poisonous. And I I've been sexually abused by a priest or whatever. Yep. I don't want to be part of this visible body. I have an immense amount of sympathy for that person. Mm. I think somebody who watches liberal news and goes, "Oh, the Catholic Church is just full of pedophiles," like. But their real reason for not wanting to join the church is that, like, they just don't want to change. Mm. They just don't want to do anything that's hard. They can't be bothered. That person has less of an argument to make, to my mind. Such a good argument when Jack says that about the Catholic Church and people representing her badly. Such a bad argument when you ask Jack his opinions on Kanye West and his music, (laughs) where he's very dismissive and refuses to do any of the work. I like that one one gospel. Three. 
That's his worst album. 163, how are non-Catholic Christians to be considered? Sorry, as a follow-on to the previous stuff what we just talked about, in the churches and ecclesial communities, that's Protestants, mm-mm, mm-mm, which are separated mm-mm. from full communion with the Catholic Church, many elements of sanctifi- sanctification and truth can be found. All of these blessings come from Christ and lead to Catholic unity. Members of these churches and communities are incorporated into Christ by baptism, and so we recognize them as brothers. Beautiful. So, again, like, okay, most Protestants have the Bible to a greater or less degree. Mm. Um, the other churches have the sacraments, all these sorts of things. These are all parts of Catholic unity. We can welcome them into the fullness of the faith. As our brothers. As our brothers, and we can, you know, we can have a fraternal relationship with them now, even if they do not accept that. Um, but because we don't rebaptize, right? We don't say, "Oh, you Lutheran, your baptism isn't valid." No, you just go to, you get confirmed and confess. Exactly. So you're you're baptized. It's a true baptism. You have a sacrament. You are part of the body of Christ. Y- you in baptism in a in a sort of like yeah, you sense. should be part of the body of Christ in a visible way. You are separated brethren. Exactly. Separated brethren. Separated brethren. All right. Let's keep going. 164. How does one commit oneself to work for the unity of Christians? The desire to restore the unity of all Christians is a gift from Christ and a call of the Spirit. This desire involves the entire church and it's pursued by the conversion of heart, prayer, fraternal knowledge of each other and theological dialogue. When did we drop burning as the answer to that? Yes. So this is what's normally called ecumenism at the moment. Mm. Right, so we have to be ecumenical. We have to like reach out to different denominations. Um, what's important to remember about ecumenism from a Catholic perspective is that what this fundamentally looks like in the end is, is burning them. Is that they all become Catholic? Oh, okay. They burn with desire. For they burn with desire for the fullness the faith, of the truth. Yeah. yeah. No, it's just the it's the invisible ecumenicalism <laughs> that you can't see while burning. <laughs> Well, I mean, I don't think we should... I know some Protestants who I wouldn't burn. They're the ones you should burn more than anyone. I know some that I would. For their betterment. Yeah. Uh, no, but like seriously, we burned a lot of people, Jake. James is in such a bad mood. I'm in a very bad mood. So let's talk about the burning. So the desire to restore the unity of all Christians is a gift from Christ and a call of the Spirit. This desire involves the entire church and is pursued by conversion of heart. Yeah. So how do we? So it's the means by which we would pursue conversion of heart, prayer, fraternal knowledge of each other, and th- well, we and we should dialogue. we should pray for the unity of the church. We should pray that Protestants become Catholic, that the Orthodox become Catholic. All these sorts of things. It's a very good thing. Um, John Paul II, in particular, put a lot of emphasis on this in the eighties and nineties. He pointed to um, uh, Christ's high priestly prayer in John seventeen, where Christ is like praying at the Last Supper, mm. and he says, "Father, I desire that." that they may be one, his followers, his disciples, may be one as you and I are one. And how is Christ one with the Father? He's one in nature, in substance, right? Like, that he shares the same nature as God. Right. Um, but they talk. And so he prays that his followers, all of his followers, may be one, yeah. as he and the Father are one. So that's, that's the unity that we're called to have with each other. And that unity is real and observable and... Like this whole idea of like, you're okay, I'm okay. We believe very different things about the faith, but that's fine. Is not, ex- I, I do not think is what Christ is willing in that No, prayer. because the relationship between the Father and the Son sometimes involves the Father organizing things that the Son is strung up on a cross and his lungs collapse. Right? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, Christ is a sense to this. I'm so sorry that I'm in such a <laughs> fucking terrible mood. Uh, not a lot of dopamine in my head. God, I'm having fun, though. I hope this is enjoyable for the listeners. Oh, holy dooly, well and truly. No, look, I understand what you're saying, and there are many... I mean, what, I mean, what we're saying there is whether or not we sit down for a beer with someone and have a chinwag about the catechism, yeah. catechism yeah. or if we uh, just fucking built them around the head until they die. Yeah. It's just tactics. There's stylistic differences. The end goal is the same. Yes. Which is bringing yeah. people together. And the means are quite different. Yeah. But the end is the same. Yeah. And so we can have a discussion about prudence. Yeah. But so long as we're... Yeah, and maybe we should. ...killing in the name of... <laughs> 165. In what way is the church holy? The church is holy insofar as the most holy God is her author. Christ has given himself for her to sanctify her and make her a source of sanctification. The Holy Spirit gives her life with charity. In the church, one finds the fullness of the means of salvation. Holiness is the vocation of each of her members and the purpose of all of her activities. The church counts among her members the Virgin Mary, numerous saints who are models and intercessors. The holiness of the church is the fountain of sanctification for her children who here on earth recognize themselves as sinners ever in need of conversion and purification. Amen. So let me just go through a couple of points because it's an important thing. Okay. The church is holy, right? So we're saying the church is one because it has God as its author and because it's got a visible unity, all these sorts of things. And but, when we say holy, we mean set apart for God. Yeah, exactly. Set apart for God's purposes and makes us to be saints. Yes. Um, and the church is like this because God is holy, right? Like, because what does it mean and to be holy? And he made it. He's the author. He's the author of the church. So therefore, the church is holy, if only because of that. Um, Christ has given himself to the church to create it as well, like blood and water, all that sort of stuff. And so it's sustained by the Holy Spirit. Sustained by the Holy Spirit. Um, in the church, we find our means of sa- salvation. So therefore, it's it, it's the thing that does, the thing that makes us holy, right? In the church, we can find the means of salvation. And we should. Yeah, yeah, but, but also we find the visible means of salvation. But we also find the members who are holy. Yes, not which isn't to say that everybody in the church is holy, but the people who are holy are there. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so the Virgin Mary, the saints, etc. So there's a number. They're of not necessarily alive today, but we keep a list and a tally. Well, they're so alive with God. Reminded. They're alive yeah. with God. Yeah. Yes, and that the church then is. Its members are not all living. You know, it's the yeah. church militant. Yeah. It's the church triumphant, and it's the church suffering. That's right. Exactly. People who are dead in purgatory, heaven, and right here on earth, and right here on earth, and Still in hell. Suffering. Well, they're not. Maybe part of the no church. one's there. Yeah. Maybe purgatory is enormous. We will get. I. I. Maybe we have already covered hell. I can't remember. You. You. You spin me out, Jimmy. Am I? Yeah. I apologize. The holiness of the church is the fountain of sanctification. So it's where sanctification comes from. That's right. For her children who here on earth recognize themselves as sinners ever in need of conversion and purification. You're very fallen. You need us. And we're going to give you, we're going to let you know how bad you are and how to get better. Yeah. Love it. 166, why is the church called Catholic? So one, holy Catholic. Why is the church called Catholic? The church is Catholic which means universal, insofar as Christ is present in her. Where there is Christ Jesus, there is the Catholic Church, says St. Ignatius of Antioch. 
The church proclaims the fullness and the totality of the faith. She bears and administers the fullness of the means of salvation. She is sent out by Christ on a mission to the whole of the human race. So Catholic means universal, um, which means it's not just the fact that it's everywhere all over the world, because even if it was only in one place in the world, it would still have the universal means for salvation. Yep. It would still have a universal mission, and it would still have a, like a, the fullness of the faith. And so that's what we mean when we say it's Catholic. So when the Anglicans say in their creed, one holy Catholic and apostolic church, they're meaning it in a very different way to us because when, when we're saying it, we, we're meaning this, right? Like we're meaning that we have a universal mission, we have the fullness of the truth, and, it's, and, it's, uh, it, and we bear all of the means of salvation. What do you us. think is the Anglican take on that? Oh, it's just like... Well, we're here, and the Catholic Church is over here, and the Orthodox Church is over here, and we're all part of the same church. We disagree on some things, but like it's more or less everywhere. There are some differences, but it's totally fine. And we're saying there can be no difference, not In on truth. fundamental things. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Sick. Sick. I'm Fully all about sick. it. I'm all about it. I don't understand the wishy-washy. Um, you know, I think there's a reason that empire didn't hold together for very long. The British Empire? Too loose. A lot of slavery. Oh, you think the slavery... I think the slavery was a big part of it. I yeah. think there are empires that had more slavery that stayed together for a lot longer. I'm not I mean, saying that slavery is the answer for having a longer empire, but... Well, I mean, it's like bing, bang, boom. They were, they were in and out. They were done. English. I mean, they're the only ones who got rid of slavery. They were the first ones. That's true, they did. Well, you know. I, look, if, I, if we can... How long have we been going for this one? Uh, 30, just. I think we can... We Let's can play on. Let's we can probably on. punch on for a few more. I'm a yep. Christian soldier. Marching off to war. Hey, is the Pope Catholic? Oh, excuse me, I've misread that. 167. <laughs> Don't feel the need to answer. I won't. <laughs> is the particular church Catholic? <laughs> So every particular church that is a diocese or eparchy is Catholic, small c. It is formed by a community of Christians who are in communion of faith and of the sacraments both with their bishop who is ordained the apostolic succession and with the Church of Rome which presides in charity. Didn't so, understand it. What's an eparchy? So a particular church. Yeah. So we're in Adelaide, for example. So we live in the Archdiocese of Adelaide. Yes. In Melbourne, there's the Archdiocese of Melbourne. In Los Angeles, there's the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. In, po- in Rome, there's... The Diocese of Rome. Yes. Right? So each place is a, what, what we call a particular church. Mm. And so each bishop, which is in charge of their diocese, is kind of like the king of their diocese. Okay. And they are in communion with the Pope in Rome, who presides in charity over all of the rest. Um, an eparchy is something like... Uh, so, like, there are a lot of Maronites in Australia, for example, which is a sort of like the Lebanese Catholic Church. Um, And so they have like a Lebanese liturgy. You know, there was lots of Lebanese refugees who came here. So there's an eparchy of the Maronite Church in Australia. So there's a bishop who's a Maronite and he governs all of the Lebanese Catholics in Australia. And this happens like, you know, with a bunch of different... The Poles? Rites. No, the Poles are Latin, right? So like... right. There are, so there it's are, only the rites that have a different... There are 20 different tradition. rites in the Catholic Church. Yeah. And normally, most countries would have, like, eparchies for the different... You know, almost every rite. But this is a multicultural... Yeah. 
thing. Normally, it would be like you live in Lebanon, you you have your Lebanese right. Yeah, you have your Lebanese bishop. The Indians have. They have a number of rights. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Eastern churches. So most Eastern Orthodox churches have like um, equal opposites within the Catholic Church. Yeah. Um, so you would have Greek Catholics, you would have Ukrainian Catholics, as well as Ukrainian Orthodox. You have Russian Catholics. How long have we had these eparchies for? Long time. Really. The first, the first one to to um, come over was in the 15th century, I think, and that was the Ukrainians. Actually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So, like, because it but, feels modern. But for example, uh, like uh, a long-standing one is um, we have a uh, military ordinariate, for example, right. right? Like, and almost every country does, where it's like, okay, you've got the military, and you know, you, so you have to have priests who serve the people in the military. They can be posted all over the country in which they're in, or they can be posted out to war. So the church has to send priests. You don't get a new bishop every time you move around. No, you bishop. they're attached to the military, right? Mm-hmm. So you have the military bishop, you have military priests. They they go around wherever you need to go, all that sort of stuff. So we call these particular churches because normally they're they're associated with a region. Yeah. Um, and if not a region, then they have a sort of like internal logic to them. The ordinariate, the Anglican ordinariate. Anglican ordinariate is an interesting one. Again, like the ordinary in Australia or England or America, yeah. it's it's based in the countries that they're in. But there's a bishop for each of those. Sometimes there's a bishop. Whoa. Sometimes there's a priest who acts as a bishop, who has the the, the canonical powers. So of in bishop. Oceania. Yeah. Is there a bishop of Oceania for the ordinariate? No, there's a priest who okay. has the canonical rights of a bishop. Because he's married, so he can't become a bishop. So he can't, he can't ordain other men to be priests. Yeah. But within... So he can do that or can't no, do that? No, he can't. Wow. Because he's not a bishop. Because he's married. Yeah. But he has authority over the priests in Australia in the Anglican Ordinary. As a bishop would. As a bishop would, yeah. There's all sorts of ways you can get around this stuff, obviously. But they're letting a man without the graces of a bishop have the responsibilities of yeah. a bishop. Basically, yes. I, I mean, that's an exception rather than a rule. Um, and, you know, obviously in the East, it's like, well, you wouldn't, like in Eastern Catholic churches, you wouldn't have a married bishop. You would just have a bishop. But they do have married priests. Yes. Yeah. Well, we have married priests too. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Again, there's always exceptions, right? Like there's the rule. Bon and then bon <laughs> Let's not talk about that. So... Is a particular church Catholic? What we mean by that is, is it universal? Yes, it is universal because even though it's located in a particular place, it has all these things. A universal mission, the universal means of salvation, and it's in communion with the universal church. But there are parochial things about it. Yes. The buildings. The buildings. The, the songs. The bishop, the people. It might have its own language. Mm. Right, now we have, as broadly speaking in the West... Its own sexual ethics. <laughs> Unfortunately, sometimes that is the case, yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, but that's, I mean, that's all, this whole, like, I, I mean, I, I hate commentating on modern affairs, James, and I hate that you bring this shit up, but this is where that argument comes from for having those, um, like, regional customs, right? Is because yes. each church should have its own sort of, like, character, each particular church, while maintaining its Catholicity... Catholicity, yeah, while maintaining its communion with the broader church, yeah. should have its own flavour. Right. I mean, 
we are individual. We're in different places. So the German bishops, their argument would be, well, we have the same liturgy. We have the same beliefs. We just have a different culture, which yeah. informs our sexual ethics. Right. Um, in Germany, you get to f- In Austria, no f- This would be a uh, innovation in the church. Yep. If, if it were allowed. If it, oh, if it held, that would be uh, a fresh discovery of something that had been there all along. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, this is a very complicated point that I don't want to get into when we're talking about particular churches. Yeah. Cool. Don't let him say concupiscence. <laughs> <laughs> I will not. Mm. All right, next question. I still think we should have Sam on mic. Oh, I forgot about that. I think you should at least be, even if... I haven't watched it last week, so... If you're reading and I'm responding, I still think you should have a mic'd up microphone. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. We just want your comments, Sam. It's good to have you. Jimmy, do you want to read the next question? All right, but then after this one, I'd like a break. Yeah. 168. And I'd just like to apologize for my mood. Oh... I read the um, four stages of alcoholism. Who are you apologising to? Is it just t- the listeners? Oh, not to me. Nah. Oh, okay. The listeners and uh, Sam. <laughs> but I read the four stages of alcoholism. Mm. I don't have it. I don't have any of them. Even the most basic, fundamental, entry-level stage is so hugely alien to me in my life, and yet I do find not drinking at all for weeks at a time to be frustrating. Um, what are the four stages of alcoholism? I think even at the first stage, you have to sometimes get blackout drunk. Oh. What's the second one? <laughs> <laughs> we have good times. I've never blacked out. No, I mean Yeah. I remember each of the terrible, terrible criminal acts I've participated in. Um, had perpetrated upon me. Can we get to the next question so we can have that break? 168... Who belongs to the Catholic Church? All human beings in various ways belong to or are ordered to the Catholic unity of the people of God. Fully incorporated into the Catholic Church are those who, possessing the Spirit of Christ, are joined to the Church by the bonds of the profession of faith, the sacraments, ecclesial government, and communion. The baptized who do not enjoy full Catholic unity are in a certain, although imperfect, communion with the Catholic Church. This is... The weaseliest weasel words I've ever seen in this book so far. So, I mean, it's, it's no different to what we were saying earlier, right? Yeah. Which is that, like, we recognise the fact that there are, um, like, a baptism in a Protestant church is a legitimate baptism, if said yeah. in, a, in a Catholic way. But that's not the tone here. This is, like, some real retreat from seniority in the world stuff. Uh, it's definitely, uh, like... So one of the things that Vatican II was attempting to do was to change the the mode or yeah. the style with which it was approaching other Christian Impossible denominations. Impossible to consider this sort of chat in the Middle Ages. Um, I well certainly because there weren't really Protestant churches around in the Middle Ages. No, because they turned up with armies and put them down. Well, I would say that's very late Middle Ages, but like, I mean, no, I think like you you will find that the church has has always had. Um, I'm not saying that's good, by the way. I'm just saying this is a this is an evolution. I don't think Can it we is. Say that no, no, but I like I mean, people see it that way, but I think when you look into church history, there is there is a lot of um, like precedent for 
the church attempting to reconcile itself with other Christian denominations. So, for example, you have the Council of Florence, which is in like the 13th or 14th century, which worked extremely hard to regain communion with the Greek Orthodox and, by extension, the other Orthodox churches. And it, there was a lot of very theological debate. There was lots of compromises attempted to be made. It worked for a very brief period of time before the schism reappeared again. Um, even at Trent, right, there were four sessions at the Council of Trent. The fourth session was something like 20 years after the third one, right? Because the first three sessions were the Catholic bishops attempting to come to some compromise with the Protestant reformers. Can I say instead of compromise, understanding? No, they were trying to compromise. They were trying to back down? No, they, they were trying to say things like, so for example, offers that were made to the Protestants in the first three sessions of Trent were things like, um, vernacular in the mass okay the chalice for communion for the lay people yeah right? like the stuff that we saw in the 60s yeah um, was all offered to the protestants in the reformation as a as a way of sort of going okay well like you don't okay you've got some legitimate points yeah maybe there are things here that we could do differently we don't have to do everything the same everywhere we can make these concessions um we don't want to right like we think that these things if are good this, however if this is important to yep. you it can be done. But then when you read the fourth session, it's like by this point, the Reformation's kicked off. There's been religious wars. It's the, the father sitting down going, all right, now we need to nail this stuff down. What makes us different? Yep. Faith works, the sacraments. We need to be absolutely clear about like the fact that these people have rejected these things and our definitions of them are based on their rejections, right? Like where they're like, okay, this is wrong and this is right. Um, but like that was like the last resort. The church did not want to do it. And that's what Vatican II essentially comes back to, right? Like Vatican II is circling back to this, um, to this idea of going, okay, well, we've had we've had this mode for five hundred years and yeah. it hasn't worked. We're still got, we've still got disunity in the body of Christ. Right. So here's Trent Five to let's let's see if we can adjust the way that we talk about it. Mm. Um, and this is the way we talk about it now, where it's like, are, are we actually reneging on anything in the faith here? All human beings in various ways belong to or ordered to the unity of the Catholic people of God. Like, everybody's made in the image of the likeness of God. You have human dignity, that's all they're saying. Everybody needs to be in a relationship with God yep. in the fullness of the church. Fully incorporated to the Catholic church are those who, possessing the spirit of Christ, are joined to the church by the bonds of the profession of faith, the sacraments, ecclesial government, and communion. So this excludes the Orthodox. This yep. excludes every Protestant. They do not have ecclesial government. They do not have communion. The baptized who do not enjoy full Catholic unity and are a certain, although imperfect, communion with the Catholic Church, which is also true, right? We would say, yeah, like, people sort of go, oh, this is too vague, this is too fuzzy. We're not saying these people are saved. We're saying they're in an imperfect communion with us, like any sinner is. Anybody who is in a state of mortal sin is in an imperfect communion with God and the Catholic Church. So they need to repent. This is the one where I've been at my absolute worst, and Jack has frankly done the best episode he's ever done i don't mind telling you i don't think you've ever been this good <laughs> i think i'm always this good nah, but you're just in such nah, a bad nah, mood nah. that you're not sparkling james and so you think oh i'm so bad but jack is so good no, and no, beautiful I'm saying, I'm and handsome jack, oh, i didn't go there <laughs> i'm just saying i think this is the stuff you you love this stuff. You really i do i do love this stuff we're yeah. to the real grist of what makes you mm -hmm. very happy so come back next time for more of the good good what is that 40 we got there. We got there. I love it. Let's have a break. Let's come back and get more of the stuff that is firing Jack up. Literally. <laughs>